Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Last Wednesday, NASA confirmed reports that a meteoroid made entry near McAllen, Texas. Huh. And they also say that data indicated that meteorites reached the ground. A statement from NASA sent to uh, Valley Central stated that the meteoroid was believed to be two feet in diameter and weighed about a thousand pounds. Huh. And they said other data indicate that meteorites did reach the ground from this event. Huh. Now, we know that meteorites tend to hit the Earth's atmosphere at high speeds, will slow down and break into small pieces without any general risk to the public. But there are no current reports of injuries or property damage, according to NASA and other officials. They said that, uh, hey, this does, however, uh, pose a reminder to increase the understanding and protection of Earth. Doesn't it, though? Isn't it interesting that it happened on Wednesday and then we knew about it on Friday? Now, I know the documentary uh, Armageddon, uh, NASA is asked, we didn't see this coming. And the response is, it's a big ass sky. Well, it still is. Uh, in fact, it's still the same big ass sky. But if you found a fragment from the meteorite, uh, please don't try to sell it yourself or anything like that. Contact the Smithsonian Institution because these samples, as uh, you know, collected, uh, will be studied and they enhance the understanding of the origin and evolution of our solar system and our local natural space debris environment. I would like to say, <laughs> if I found one of these fragments, it would be up on eBay today. If the Smithsonian wants to bid on it, they can. In other words, if you're in McAllen, let me know if you've got a piece of the rock. It'd be interesting to see what happens if you do put it up on eBay. Does the government come a-knocking? Hello? We'd like our we'd like our meteorite, please. Uh, for a certain price, no problem. Welcome, welcome to chewing the fat. So, those of you listening live, it is the twentieth of February, twenty twenty three, and it is officially President's Day. So, if you work for the government, you've got the day off, or you're a banker, you've got the day off. It was Washington's day. Uh, until 1970. We made it uh, a big day in 1879. It's a federal holiday honoring the founding father, George Washington, who, you know, he just led the Continental Army to victory in the American Revolutionary War, presided over the Constitutional Convention in 1787, was the first U.S. president. But we want to make sure that we had it, uh, you know, so on a Monday so that we could have a three-day weekend for the federal workers which is wonderful but then in 1970 they said hey what about the other presidents don't they deserve something and they said yeah sure why not so let's just make it president's day okay all right good so it's the third monday in february which can occur between the 15th and the 21st and it is president's day so congratulations and happy happy president's day a little other special news on presidents. I was reading an article on all the animals that presidents have had. And I know they've had cats and they've had dogs and how they got dogs. And, you know, Obama, the girls talked him into having Bo, 
the Portuguese water dog. Ugh. And, uh, you know, they all had their, had their dogs. But I didn't know that um, the wife of John Quincy Adams, the sixth president, had silkworms. Herbert Hoover, the 31st president, had a possum. And who doesn't have a pet possum? I mean, back then in, in Herbert Hoover days, everybody had a pet possum, I guess. And Calvin Coolidge, the 30th president, had a raccoon named Rebecca that walked on a leash. In fact, there's a picture <laughs> of Calvin's wife, Grace, uh, holding the family pet raccoon at a White House event. <laughs> Uh, Theodore Roosevelt, the 26th president, was famous for his, uh, for all his pets he had. Uh, his kids had snakes, dogs, cats, a badger, birds, guinea pigs. Okay. All right. Uh, apparently at one point, uh, Roosevelt's son got the measles and his brother thought a visit from the family pony might cheer him up. So he brought the Brought the old pony into the White House and rode him up to the brother's room in an elevator. And well, who doesn't? I mean, hello. You want the little pony to make him happy. So this was actually the first service animal or emotional support animal ever. So congratulations to Quentin Roosevelt for helping out his brother Archie with the service animal, the pony they had at the White House. At one point, James Buchanan, the 15th president, received a herd of elephants from the king of Siam. That was now called Thailand. The sultan of Oman gave Martin Van Buren, the 8th president, a pair of tiger cubs. There, During, during World War I, Woodrow Wilson, the 28th president, kept a herd of sheep at the White House. <laughs> That was his way of supporting the war. Uh-huh. Many workers were overseas, so the sheep cut the lawn by eating the grass. and The wool was auctioned to raise money for the American Red Cross. Isn't that special? Maybe we should just open up a White House zoo. And all the, uh, all the money raised could go to support, I don't know, Ukraine. Because <laughs> we're told help for Ukraine is a never-ending promise. As long as it takes is what we're told. In fact, we were told by, uh, what's-his-face, Turtle, Mitch McConnell. He told uh, an audience in Germany that Republican leaders support aid to Ukraine. Don't look at Twitter. Oh, okay, so... Believe him and not the people that are speaking on the social media platform, Twitter or other social media platforms. So we're all we're all behind Ukraine. So anyway, we should just open a White House zoo and let that money go to Ukraine. This is just an idea that, you know, from me to you. Happy President's Day. So on the surface, this story sounds, you know, <laughs> sounds. I guess as a male, it sounds good, I guess. Uh, the story is trophy husband has three wives and stays home while they work. Like I said, on the surface, yeah, that sounds good. So the father of two calls himself a trophy husband and he's married to three women, stays at home while they work. Nick Davis met his first wife 
uh, at their university 15 years ago, met Jennifer nine years ago, and then uh, April said uh, she's happy that there are other women in the house to help satisfy Nick's relationship wants and needs. Now, Jennifer met the couple when she was 19. April felt like she would be a great fit for the family, and it just became evident that she was a great person. There was a lot of high intellect. Uh huh, and in that big brain of hers, and I knew that Nick would find her attractive, and so yes, uh, they are a thruple. They added twenty-two-year-old Danielle to their family. Now, this particular uh, happening happened on TLC's Seeking Sister Wife. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Seeking Sister Wife, but it documents the lives of three very unique families who are all in various phases of seeking, dating, or transitioning a new sister wife into their lives. Now, it's had four seasons. Uh, the last uh, the last season was last year in 2022. So I don't know if it's been re-upped for season five or not. Maybe it has. But according to Nick, having three wives knowing that we've all solidified our union and brought it together like we have is just unbelievable i just feel like i'm living a dream come true i honestly didn't ever think i could be this happy i didn't think happiness like this existed until i found love like this oh yeah so my this is what i said on the surface it sounds great right three wives what i really want really is you know i'm I'm happy with one wife i just want a couple of robots to clean the house and do the dishes and do the laundry. <laughs> uh, you know, I have my, and plus with the robots, holy cow. Uh, if you have three wives, that's, I mean, one, that's a lot of work. <laughs> that's a lot of work. And I'm at the point now where, you know, do I want that? Do I want that much work? Not really. But congratulations to Nick and the happiness that he and his three wives and two children have have found. And man, do I wish them the best, uh, the best life. And I know that it's just a dream come true. (laughs) Is it though? Is it? And when I say two children, I mean the one child is not even a child of one of the three wives. He is a child that is a teenage boy. It doesn't say how old he is, but it just says he has a, they, they have one child that Jennifer, the newest wife, gave birth to, Vera. Now, the teenage son came from a previous relationship. So I don't know if that came between the 15 years ago and the first wife. Or, and the nine-year-old, uh, the nine-year relationship with the second wife, or if that happened previously prior to the marriage of the first wife. But anyway, so the one kid doesn't even have anything to do with any of these mothers. So it just keeps getting better for Seeking Sister Wife TV, doesn't it? <laughs> oh man oh man oh man i just wish them all happiness joy and i'm just glad that they're living their best life all right let's go to the break room i need something cold to drink desperately (sighs) 
So it looks like uh, Zuck got a little fed up with uh, Elon uh, hogging all the social media headlines. So he announced a big update to his own online platforms. The Meta CEO introduced a subscription service for Instagram and Facebook that will allow users to purchase blue badges that mark them as verified. I wonder where he got that idea from. I mean, we're already verified users, right, uh, on these platforms. However, uh, not paid, okay? So it's going to be known as Meta Verified. The service will launch in Australia and New Zealand this week and hit other countries soon. So similar to Twitter Blue, Meta verified uh, the traditional concept of blue check mark as a gift bestowed to notable people like politicians and celebs. Now it's open to anyone who's willing to pay. But there are differences between Twitter's and Meta's plan. Is there? Uh, Meta is more expensive, costing eleven ninety nine on the web, fourteen ninety nine on mobile. Twitter's cost $8 and $11, respectively. Yeah, we've covered that. Uh, Meta will also require Meta-verified users to confirm their identity using a government-issued ID, something Twitter doesn't require. So apparently for your 15 bucks with Meta-verified, you're going to get a higher visibility and reach on, on the platforms. You're going to get increased access to customer support. Oh, oh okay. Uh, that's That's great. So, I mean, are they hurting that bad at Facebook that they're going to start charging for this? I mean, you know, I'm verified on Twitter. We've talked about that before, at JeffyJFR. I'm verified on Facebook, Jeff Fisher Radio. Um, and I'm not verified on Instagram, Jeff Fisher Radio, which hurts just a little. I don't have a, I'm not verified on Instagram. It hurts, hurts me just a little. But uh, now I'm not going to pay for it. Sorry, these, these companies, sorry, Zuck and elon uh i love your social media accounts but we just we give you thousands of dollars worth of free advertising mentioning your social media platforms and now you want us to pay to have the honor of promoting us on your platform no thank you no thank you sorry about it (laughs) no thank you so you know good luck if you want to become verified on one of those platforms go for it you know, I hope you do. I, I hope I, I hope Zuck just makes more billions because he's laying off a few thousand people and things are going a little shaky over there at the, in the metaverse. So I'm a fan of the metaverse. Let me in, Zuck. Let me in. If you want me to pay to be verified on, on your platform, then let me into the metaverse and let me do a show on Main Street in the metaverse. Okay? All right. Good. This is the revenue decline, and he's trying to find a way to make some more money. So, good luck. Good luck. God bless. I hope it works out for you. So, the author, Roald Dahl, R-O-A-L-D-D-A-H-L. I mean, he's a huge author, fiction and drama, British writer, story collections. I mean, he's... He's known for all kinds of uh, all kinds of books and his characters: Augustus Gloop, the Oompa-Loompas, Mrs. Twit. But good thing now is is that we are going to change some of his works with more inclusive language. Oh, isn't that good? We don't want to hear what the author actually wrote and what he felt at the time. No, 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 no. So apparently, uh, the 
Raul Dahl Story Company, which Netflix acquired in 2021, how they have worked with sensitivity readers to review Dahl's texts and give them an update to his stories so that they can continue to be enjoyed by all today. I mean, they still could, actually. You could just say, uh, this is the way he wrote it. <laughs> uh, either enjoy it or don't. We have, we are falling off the cliff. The edits generally focus on removing potentially offensive language related to gender, race, weight, mental health, violence, <laughs> what's the story then come on so uh, augustus gloop from charlie and the chocolate factory is now enormous not fat <laughs> that's why i said all along for years i'm i'm not uh i'm athletically overweight <laughs> in a gender neutral revision the oompa loompas uh are now described as small people rather than small men oh my gosh and the witches where 59 changes were reportedly made by publishers a line was added to a paragraph that explains why the witches are bald underneath their wigs there are plenty of other reasons why women might wear wigs and there is certainly nothing wrong with that so now we're adding we're not only changing words we're just adding thoughts oh my gosh because we want to be sure to have more inclusive language <laughs> yeah, because holy cow, we want to we want people to continue to enjoy all of it today without, you know, without them getting, I don't know, offended because we don't want anybody to be offended anymore. So we're going to change everything that, uh, you know, is related to gender, race, weight, mental health, violence. What else is there? Those are the stories. Oh, my gosh. Now, a lot of people are a little wound up about it, so I don't know if it's going to stay or not. We'll see. Uh, you know, I know that uh, some other authors have said, uh, you know, sure, Raul Dahl was no angel, but this is absurd censorship. So he's just a racist, uh, misogynistic bastard, and we're going to change everything he wrote. Sure. And we can do that because we bought it all. <laughs> we sold, uh, we bought everything so we can do whatever the hell we want with this works, okay? All right, Netflix, you go ahead. You do what you do, okay? Because I don't want you to offend everyone. But when you come around saying, man, I can't believe we're not making any more money or people aren't watching our shows, you remember this. You remember that you removed everything about the stories gender race weight mental health and violence because you didn't want to offend or have anyone offended it's just unbelievable to me that we're we're doing that we have the days of uh oh you're offended sorry uh don't read his books don't watch the the movies now if you're you know they can make the movies and you know they can change because it's based on the novel so they can change that around. See how it works. See how it works. Okay. And I have a feeling that it may not work really well. But it, it might. So give it a shot. You know, change everything. But pretend like it's the same thing. Isn't that what we're all doing anyway? We're changing everything and we're just pretending that it isn't changed? Oh, okay. All right, good. So good luck with that. Oh, <laughs> uh, just just incredible but hey let's party shall we don't worry about that it's new it's mardi gras 
tomorrow if, you know i mean tuesday is fat tuesday what it can't be fat tuesday in, in new orleans it's got to be enormous tuesday it can't be fat tuesday no that will not stand anymore so if you want to celebrate in new orleans you go ahead but how dare you call it fat tuesday we can't have that anymore someone might get offended <laughs> i want it to be called enormous tuesday from now on and then we got carnival back in full force too so plan on uh, partying and crime and sex drugs and rock and roll down in rio de janeiro uh happening uh, as well but this whole mardi gras fat tuesday thing has now got me a little ticked off uh i want to that better be enormous tuesday that better be a proclamation from the mayor of new orleans very soon we appreciate mardi gras and everything it's done to in the past but uh this fat tuesday thing that's been going on all these years has to stop from now on it's going to be called enormous tuesday <laughs> that's just dumb just dumb Congratulations to Ant-Man, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, uh, on track to earn about $118 million or more at the domestic box office over this weekend, a sign that the Marvel Cinematic Universe remains strong. Okay, this is a fifth phase. Uh, Ant-Man also extended a mind-blowing Marvel streak. Is it mind-blowing, though? Is it really? I'm reading this article like it's not mind-blowing, but it is a streak. Uh, it became the 31st consecutive MCU release to debut at number one at the box office. But it won't remain number one for long because this Friday, uh, Cocaine Bear opens. So Cocaine Bear <laughs> is going to knock the old Ant-Man right off the pedestal okay just when ant-man starts getting a little cocky i don't think so uh, <laughs> uh no thanks take a back seat to cocaine bear okay and uh did you see where uh speaking of animals you see where uh flocka the owl that escaped from the central park zoo uh, a couple weeks ago we talked about it on the show and they were out looking for it and trying to catch it and now the zoo officials said you know what ah we're not even going to try to catch it anymore. It's free. Let it go. It's fine. It can eat on its own. We don't care. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, we don't care. Leave it alone. <laughs> I can't wait. I, I'm sure that there's got to be an Instagram account for Flacco the Owl, right? We have to check that out. All right, so I don't know if there's an actual account for Flacco, but there's plenty of sightings. Uh, tagging Central Park, New York. This particular uh, Instagram post, Flacco Central Park Zoo escaped Eurasian Eagle Owl, is still free and looking magnificent. <laughs> uh, so people are snapping pictures of Flacco all over in the New York uh, Central Park. So as soon as something bad happens to the old owl, uh, you can count on, why did the zoo not try to keep it safe? And uh, the homeless people are going to be cooking Flacco over an open flame in Central Park in about a week. Just joking. I hope it doesn't happen. But it's going to happen. 
That's a chewing the fat prediction right there. And uh, I will tell you right now, within two weeks, within two weeks. So let's just go. Uh, well, I'll give you, know what? I'll say a month since I'm a, I'm a psych, I'm a psychic and I'm, I'm seeing things in the shadows. Uh, by the end of March, we will have a homeless person cooking Flacco over an open flame in Central Park. That is a fat fact. Okay, so who died today? Who died today? Well, we know Kelly Pickler's husband, Kyle Jacobs, uh, passed away of an apparent suicide at the age of 49. He was found dead at his uh, Nashville apartment. Apparently, uh, they believe he was, well, it said here he was, you know, yeah, yeah, he was 49. They said that the police department uh, were called as a, as a safety measure, they wanted a wellness check. So they got there and uh, they couldn't open the door to the bedroom. And it looks like he was, uh, you know, he had committed suicide. Very sad. 49. And he was uh, very successful. I mean, looked like he had a happy marriage. I mean, obviously we don't, no one knows what goes on behind closed doors. Ha! That ought to be a song. And uh, so we'll see. I mean, he's got all these hit songs and he's, you know, got a successful wife. He's been married to Kelly Pickler for a while. How long have they been married for? Okay. Since uh, 2011. Uh, They do not share any children. They got engaged in, in 2010. They've been dating since 2008. They were in love. Uh, Pickler said that it was a spiritual moment and uh, who got her start. Remember Pickler on American Idol? He said they would have gotten married that night had there been a preacher walking by. All right. So, I mean, good for that. However, uh, make sure that uh, if you or you know someone that's considering suicide, please contact the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. I mean, we just had a story talking about uh, teen girls that uh how they're struggling and they're a wave of sadness violence and trauma and they're reporting the cdc if you you know uh, you know if you believe what they tell you uh they they released a report showing that 57 percent of teenage girls felt persistently sad or hopeless in 2021 wow That's the highest rate in a decade and almost twice what was reported by teenage boys. Additional findings, about 30% of teen girls had seriously considered suicide, up from 19% 10 years earlier. And 18% also reported that they experienced sexual violence. I mean, this is incredible. So, I mean, if you know anyone or are considering suicide, uh, don't. The earth is not a better place without you in it. Okay, just know that. So dial 988 and try to get the help that you need, please. Whatever that help is. So Kyle Jacobs, husband to Kelly Pickler, dead at the age of 49. Also, who died today? Richard Belzer. Oh, man, that's not sad to hear that. Uh, You know, he was a comic, an author, an actor. Uh, He, you know, he played Detective John Munch on Homicide, Life on the Street, and Law and Order SVU, and eight other shows. I mean, it was, and he was the same guy, John Munch. I mean, he, that, that character appeared in 10 series on five networks since his debut 
1993. So he did Homicide and SVU. And then he did appearances and crossovers rather than regular or reoccurring appearances. So his retirement uh, in characters, 22nd season on television. <laughs> he was a regular character on U.S. television longer than Marshall Matt Dillon. Frazier Crane of Cheers. You remember Matt Dillon from Gunsmoke. Hello. Both of whom were on television for 20 seasons. He's only behind Mariska Haggerty's character, Olivia Benson. Yeah, she's still cranking out shows too, man. Oof. He's all over the place for Law & Order. Uh, Munch has returned uh, to help his friends in the SVU 17th season episode, Fashionable Crimes, marked the 23rd season that the character had appeared on television in any capacity. So uh, he was also an author. One of my favorite books, actually, it was a great book, and I've got it around here somewhere. I'm going to try to find it and, and uh, read it again, was his uh, UFOs, JFK, and, El and Elvis, Conspiracies You Don't Have to Be Crazy to Believe. I love that book. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Richard Belzer died. Now, I will say that it's being reported that he died in uh, France. He died in uh, Mosul's. France with his longtime friend <laughs> you take that however you want but uh, he died at his home in Bozul, France uh, southwest France with writer Bill Sheft who is a longtime friend of the actor okay he said he had lots of health issues and his last words were fuck you motherfucker <laughs> so rest in peace Richard Belzer dead at the age of 78 and I didn't mention it is uh, President's Day uh, former President Jimmy Carter the 39th President of the United States he's going to he's entered into hospice care at his uh, Plains Georgia home his health care has really deteriorated um uh, for quite some time. He is 98 years old. He's the longest living former U.S. executive. I'm not really sure how that works out. So according to this, he's the longest living former U.S. executive. Okay. Uh, so uh, the cause of Carter's current health issues, they didn't announce it, but he's had cancer and he's had hip surgery and he's he's been, uh, you know, really struggling the last few years anyway. But he's still cranking along, man. Uh, former peanut farmer, still cranking along. And I know, look, I know that he was, uh, you know, he was kind of a nightmare, kind of a nightmare as a president. He had, his, had a lot of problems as president of the United States. He wasn't... Uh, uh, what's the world thing I'm looking for? Uh, he wasn't uh, good <laughs> uh, as a president. But I will say this, okay? I know he went to the, U the U.S. Naval Academy. He, you know, he's a military guy, and I know that he was kind of a nightmare or a nightmare as president of the United States, but you never doubted his love of the United States of America. And you do have those doubts in today's world. At least I do. Uh, I have my doubts of many of our leaders that uh, they do not have the love of this country first. And that's 
part of the problem, at least in my view. Then we got news, but you know, Jimmy Carter is not dead yet. And we got Bruce Willis, who's not dead yet, but we're told that his diagnosis with uh, frontotemporal dementia is getting worse. Very sad. I mean, I love Bruce Willis. I mean, he retired, couldn't stop working because of his battle with aphasia, and now the family is saying, yeah, it's not good at all. So we're hearing... uh, we're hearing some bad news about Bruce Willis. Then we got bad news about Tom Sizemore, the actor who suffered a brain aneurysm at his L.A. home. Uh, he's hospitalized in critical condition. Now, okay, so I know everybody, oh, there's another one. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You people out there that are saying, there's another one. Well, Tom had quite a history with a number of substance issues. (laughs) Uh, He's had uh, DUIs and domestic violence and possession of controlled substances. He's been in great movies. Saving Private Ryan, Black Hawk Down, Natural Born Killers. He's been in great movies, and I love love a lot of his work. But he has had some, some problems. So this probably doesn't have anything to do with what you think it does. But you never know it could, but he's he was just hanging out. According to his, his manager, he was just hanging out at his L.A. home around 2 a.m., and he suffered a brain aneurysm and collapsed into unconsciousness. So very sad. Someone found Tom, quickly called 911, and they responded and took him to the hospital, and he was listed in critical condition. So I'm not sure what kind of hanging out he was doing at 2 a.m. on a Saturday, and I'm not sure who finds you at 2 a.m. if you're just hanging out at your L.A. home. But someone did, and that's what happened to him. And then we had news that while in Mexico celebrating his wife's 40th birthday, 73-year-old Richard Gere was uh, put in the hospital uh, in Mexico. So I guess, according to them, it's just pneumonia. And so the wife has said they've all been sick. And you know what? We've all been sick. Let's go to Mexico. And they did. And so he got, you know, got sicker and they threw him in the hospital. And, you know, they gave him some antibiotics. And get out of here, Richard. You'll be fine. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm sure it had nothing to do with that. Stop it. Okay, so when you hear that a human player has defeated a top-ranked AI system at a board game, the board game Go, uh, in a surprise reversal, remember back uh, a few years ago, the the AI beat the human and uh, was uh, you know big deal, and so this uh, Kellen Pellerine, an American player who is one level below the top amateur ranking, beat the machine. Okay, well. When you think, okay, great, that's great. What? Not really. Because uh, she beat the machine because a flaw was identified by another AI. <laughs> now, they claim that she wasn't directly using the support of the computer during the game. But they went to another AI system and said, hey... What is the weakness of this AI that's playing Go? And the other AI said, hey, this is the weakness. 
use this. And they did, and they won. So it really wasn't a human beating an AI. I'd like to believe that too, but no, it wasn't. It was a human using AI to beat AI. So I don't know that that really counts as a human win, but we'll take it. Well, as a human, we'll take it. Okay, so let's. I uh, got a few emails to uh, discuss with you. You can always email the show, chewingthefat at theblaze.com. Chewingthefat at theblaze.com. Uh, of course, you can always you know follow me on Twitter at JeffyJFR. Facebook and Instagram is Jeff Fisher Radio. The YouTube channel is Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. You can always order a cameo at JeffyJFR. That's not free, uh, but I'm happy to be happy, sad, mad mean whatever you want on cameo you know for the price that it takes to order a cameo uh, at jeffy jfr okay so you can always email the show with uh, questions comments concerns chewing the fat at theblaze.com i got an email from tanya who you know last week we did the story on the safest cities in america and i mentioned a city in kansas that was the 16th safest city in america and it's o-l-a-t-h-e and i probably pronounce it olath or olathe but according to uh tanya it's pronounced olatha kansas and she wanted to make sure that uh i knew that i was welcome (laughs) so thank you tanya i appreciate it okay olatha kansas is the 16th safest city in america uh, tomorrow we'll have to talk about the dirtiest cities in America. Uh, so you know that, you know, if you live in one of the dirtiest cities in America, I'm probably guessing, you know, but maybe you don't, we'll, you know, we'll go over that tomorrow. Uh, then I got an email from uh, Jesse who wanted to talk to me about the Mario Kart ride at Universal. And, uh, that's the, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, fat guy seating and uh, fatty park and uh, have fat people having their own theme park and how Mario Kart was not built for fat guy seating. And so in this email, he said, I agree that they need to keep these rides safe, but for a ride like this, they could have made an exception. This is nothing more than your run-of-the-mill, slow-moving, dark ride, the kind you just sit back and chill. No crazy turns, no fast speeds, no loops, just a flat track. Here's the link to the ride. And he gave me a link to the ride. I understand people getting hurt or killed because of failed restraints, but even the gentlest of rides at Disney have had deaths because of human stupidity. Yeah. Uh, In fact, a lot of deaths happen uh, in the world because of human stupidity. The people mover has had a couple. It does not have restraints. All you do is sit and ride, but that's too much for some people who got out of the ride while it was on, while it was in motion and they were killed by being run over. I know, I know. Uh, Jesse goes on to say that I understand the necessity of restraints on extreme rides and how they aren't fit for larger guests, but how is a parent supposed to enjoy the ride like Mario Kart with the family because of his dad bod and what about the kid who needs an adult to ride Uh, these are all valid questions jesse questions i've asked in the past i mean some of these rides if they're slow moving like this um can't we just have restraint extenders i mean they made the argument that they couldn't go to fat guy seating because that would take away from the kids seating and so we just need maybe a restraint extender you know like the seatbelt extenders uh, for some of these small, smaller rides, we should have a restraint extender. Don't you think, Disney? I, I do. I agree. Should, there should be 
fat guy seating. Uh, this is going to come as a surprise, but uh, if you haven't listened to the show before, but I am all for fat guy seating. Then I have this email from Randall and Vivi, and this both makes me happy and sad. Uh, the subject line, what have you done? Good day, Jeffy. I believe my wife and I are your only fans in China. That kind of hurts <laughs> right there. I mean, China has, I don't know, over a billion people. And I've got two people listening to the show. I mean, <laughs> apparently, I need some ad, an ad campaign in China. Uh, but according to according to uh, Randall and uh, Vivi, please take heart that you are on the CCP's blacklist. Well, I don't know. Okay. I mean, that hurts. So uh, they down we download your podcast subscription with a VPN. Oh, that's so special. Thank you. I'm an Aussie and my wife is Chinese. We enjoy listening to your podcast while we are sorting out breakfast. But something has occurred. Cue dramatic music. My wife speaks English very well and has begun saying, do you? Did he? Are you? And various of her own similar inventions all the time. It makes me laugh. Cheers, mate. Uh, her friends are picking it up, too. You are a bona fide international cultural influencer. Noice. Keep chewing the fat. All the best, mate. Randall and Vivi. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. I appreciate it. Uh, I don't know how I get off the CCP's blacklist. Well, I do know how to get off the CCP's blacklist. And I don't want to do that. <laughs> I mean, I kind of do. Like if CCP were to say, hey, uh, or I guess our government has taken to calling them the PCR now or the PRC. People's Republic of China, yeah, PRC. That's all I hear from these dingleberries now. We don't call them the CCP. We're just calling them the, the PRC now, I guess. That's the politically correct thing to call China. But uh, I, if they were to come to me and say, hey, we are going to give you access to a billion people, and here's, I don't know, $5 million. <laughs> Could I say no? Or would I have to say yes and just start doing ads for China? <laughs> uh, of course I would say no. Don't be silly. Don't be silly. I'm an American, damn it. There's no way I would take $20 million and do commercials for China. That just wouldn't be right. No, no, it wouldn't. Randall and Vivi, thank you very much. Appreciate it. And just as I'm getting ready to say goodbye, I see we have breaking news. Santa Fe prosecutors have dropped a key gun enhancement charge against Alec Baldwin. How long before the whole thing goes away? This is amazing. So the district attorney's office has dropped the gun enhancement charge against Alec which now means that even if he's convicted of the other charges brought against him, he may not even spend any time behind bars, which is just silly. Why are we even going through with this now? Stop it. So uh, uh, the gun enhancement charge was tacked onto his involuntary manslaughter charges. That has been removed. That need, I mean, to do that, you have to require a person who has used the gun to brandish the weapon, meaning the gun was displayed with intent to intimidate or injure a person. 
which is just silly to think that that's what happened, which we talked about to begin with. And now they finally have, you know, they've dropped those charges. They just wanted the headlines and they got the headlines they wanted. And now, you know, the attorneys are going to go to work. This whole thing. I mean, I hate, I no. let me, let me stop for a moment. I love the work, a lot of the work of Mr. Baldwin, but his personal views on many things are agonizing to me. And it makes me it makes it very difficult for me to enjoy the work that he does. But this right here is unbelievably silly to go after him like this on this accidental shooting of Helena Hutchins. And I, you know, I, I feel terrible for uh, the Hutchins family and the children and all of that. It's just horrific. But to blame the shooting solely on Alec Baldwin as an act that was a crime, a criminal offense is just insane. And so again, there, the charges, uh, have been dropped. The gun enhancement charges have been dropped against Mr. Baldwin. So even if they continue on with this silly trial against Mr. Baldwin, uh, there is very likely that he will not spend any time behind bars. So, I mean, why are we even having this case continue on against Alec Baldwin? Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.